Good morning and welcome to Simply CRE. It's Tuesday, February 27th. On today's show, local banks are well positioned for commercial real estate woes, as distress in the commercial real estate debt market has soared 440% in the last year. Plus, a Denver area industrial asset changes hands. This coverage and more, up next. I'm David, and you're listening to Simply CRE. We start off with a look at how commercial real estate troubles are starting to impact financial institutions worldwide. However, a local perspective paints a more optimistic picture. According to the Financial Times, the country's largest banks have only set aside 90 cents for every dollar of loans that are at least a month overdue and backed by office real estate. This is a significant drop from last year. Here to delve deeper into this issue is Celeste, a correspondent for Simply CRE. Can you tell us more about this situation, Celeste? Certainly, David. The COVID-19 pandemic has led many companies to shift to remote work, causing them to reconsider their office space needs. This has resulted in near-record vacancy levels in many major cities. As a result, banks are preparing for potential losses in the tens of billions of dollars as landlords struggle to pay their mortgages and property values decrease. That sounds concerning, but you mentioned that the local picture looks brighter. Can you elaborate on that? Yes, an examination of call reports filed with the FDIC by several prominent local financial institutions shows little exposure to commercial real estate. For instance, Stearns Bank, with over $3 billion in total assets, has only $358,000 in delinquent loans among non-owner-occupied non-residential properties. Similarly, Bremer Bank has a little over $9 million as part of $16.3 billion in total assets. Falcon National Bank lists no commercial real estate loans behind on payments. So it seems like the major issues are with what are known as regional financial institutions. Can you explain more about this? Indeed, most commercial real estate exposure is tied up in regional financial institutions. These include banks like Comerica, Fifth Third, Huntington, and PNC. However, due to mergers and consolidation, their reach has expanded to a national level. For example, PNC's non-owner commercial real estate non-performing loans have more than quadrupled since late 2022, jumping from about $182 million to $720 million in 12 months. Similar issues have been reported by Citi and Goldman Sachs. What could be the potential implications of these sharp losses? Sharp losses can lead to panic in the worst-case scenario, as we saw in early 2023 with Silicon Valley Bank and others. For instance, New York Community Bank saw its stock fall by 60% in barely a week after warning about its exposure to commercial real estate loans. This issue also has broader implications including impacts on government finances, as commercial real estate is a significant part of local property tax collection. Thanks for that insight, Celeste. Speaking of complex situations, distress in a key segment of the commercial real estate debt market has seen a significant increase over the past year. Commercial mortgages packaged into collateralized loan obligations, or CLOs, have seen their distress rate rise from 1.4% at the beginning of 2023 to 8.6% in January. Here to delve into this is Michael, a correspondent for Simply CRE. Can you explain what's causing this increase in distress? Certainly, David. 
Commercial property loans that are packaged into CREC hellos are primarily short-term floating rate mortgages. These are backed by buildings that need some updating or further investment. The loans are typically for three years with the option to extend, and many borrowers aim to refinance with cheaper, fixed-rate debt. However, with the Federal Reserve's rate-cut timelines being pushed out, commercial property owners are now faced with refinancing at higher interest rates and possibly lower property valuations. So which sectors are being hit the hardest by this distress? The data shows that multifamily and office building borrowers are bearing the brunt of the distress among loans packaged into CREC hellos. The office sector, in particular, is facing significant problems as remote work trends persist with no apparent turnaround in sight. And what's the scale of this problem? How much money are we talking about here? The amount of outstanding loans packaged into CLOs is about $80 billion. By dollar amount, loans that experienced some level of distress grew from $1.3 billion in February of 2023 to $6.8 billion last month, a rise of about 440%, according to data and analytics firm CredIQ. That's a significant increase. What are the potential implications of this distress? Major CLO issuers are vulnerable to losses if borrowers default. Many of the loans were originated in 2021 when rates had not yet risen. Now, three years later, commercial property owners are faced with refinancing at higher interest rates and possibly lower property valuations. Additionally, there are mounting concerns over a looming surge in commercial real estate debt, estimated at nearly $1.5 trillion in the coming years. That's certainly a situation to keep an eye on. Thanks for that report, Michael. In other news, Graham Street Realty has recently sold Commerce Square, a pair of light industrial buildings in Aurora, Colorado. The buildings, totaling 145,242 square feet, were purchased by Midtown National Group for $21.5 million. Bella, a correspondent for Simply CRE, is here to shed more light on this transaction. Can you tell us more about this deal, Bella? Certainly, David. Midtown National Group financed the acquisition with an $8.8 million loan from Nationwide Insurance Co. JLL Capital Markets represented the seller, Graham Street Realty, and also procured the buyer. At the time of the sale, Commerce Square was leased to 12 tenants, including Frontier Business Products, Partpoint, and Experigreen, among others. And this isn't the first time Commerce Square has changed hands, correct? That's correct. The property last traded in 2020 when Graham Street Realty acquired it for $16 million from First Industrial Realty Trust. JLL represented the seller in that transaction as well. Can you tell us more about the features of these buildings? Sure. Completed in 1985, Commerce Square consists of two one-story buildings with rear-loading configurations. They feature 18-foot clear heights, 38 docks, 11 drive-in doors, climate control, and 265 parking spaces. The buildings are located near the intersection of Interstate 70 and 225, providing easy access across the Denver metropolitan area. What makes this property particularly attractive to buyers? Commerce Square has garnered significant interest due to its location in the I-70 East submarket, its front park rear load configuration, and small bay suite sizes. Over the last decade, Denver has emerged as one of the nation's most active industrial markets. As of November, Denver ranked third for industrial construction among Western markets, with an active pipeline featuring 24 projects totaling 9.7 million square feet. 
That was quite an insightful report. Thank you, Bella. Moving on, commercial real estate transactions in the Oklahoma City metro area have been bustling recently. CBRE Group and NAI Sullivan Group have reported a series of notable deals. Here to delve into the details is Abby, a correspondent for Simply CRE. Abby, can you tell us more about these transactions? Certainly, David. Starting with CBRE Group, Baker Contracting Farm sold two 7,000-square-foot industrial buildings and more to RJR Investments LLC for a combined $1 million. OGP LLC sold a 4.27-acre industrial plot to Blackacre LLC for $600,000. And City Care Inc. purchased a 5,900-square-foot industrial building from Malachi Properties LLC for $350,000. All these transactions were handled by Randy Lacey and Chris Zack. And what about the transactions reported by NAI Sullivan Group? NAI Sullivan Group reported several leases. Above all, Psychedelic Assisted Therapy Co. leased 1,050 square feet of office space in Belle Isle offices. Gator Tools LLC leased nearly 12,000 square feet of industrial space from DPI Ann Arbor LLC. Botanolife LLC leased 1,500 square feet of retail space in Dell City from Mitchell Investments LLC. Inlog Inc. of Las Vegas leased a 13,200 square foot warehouse in Shawnee from Eco Development LLC. And finally, Uchechi LLC leased a 2,125 square foot retail building from JNA Realty LLC for gun sales and storage. It seems like there's a lot of activity in the industrial sector. Is this a trend we're seeing in the Oklahoma City metro area? Yes, the industrial sector has been quite active recently. This is likely due to the growing demand for warehouse and distribution space, driven in part by the rise of e-commerce. However, it's worth noting that we're also seeing activity in office and retail spaces, indicating a balanced and healthy commercial real estate market. Thanks for joining us today, Abby. And with that, we wrap up our stories for today. Thanks for listening to Simply CRE. We'll see you back here tomorrow.